a little sad that I was the loudest one out there. Um, <laughs> I feel like you guys should be more excited for that. So maybe work on that. I don't know. Um, okay, well, hi, high school. I usually preach with middle schoolers, so you guys are a lot taller than then and less awkward, but I'm not, so that's fun. That's a joke, it's okay. All right, so <laughs> if we haven't met, my name's Julia, I'm one of the interns here. I am a graduating senior in 15 days from Southeastern University. Go fire, love those guys. I'm not from Florida, I'm from Virginia, so that's a fun fact. Um, so I'm going to be preaching to you guys tonight, and we're going to have fun, and it's going to be cool, hopefully, or you're going to hate it, but I hope that you don't. So uh, if you like anything that I say, I would encourage you to say something like, yeah, so good, preach it, white girl, come on, yes, awesome. Um, if you hate anything I say, please don't boo me, I'm very fragile. <laughs> All right. So let's pray, and then we're going to dive in to the word that God has for us tonight. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that we can come together and have a better understanding of who you are in our lives. Lord, I pray that tonight eyes, ears, and hearts would be open to hear and see what you have for us. Spirit, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would let all your words stick and all my words fall to the floor. Please let my jokes be funny. In your name we pray, God. Amen. All right, so if you guys were here last week, you heard an awesome message from Pastor Jeremy and Abby. If you love that, go ahead, give it up. Because we have, yeah, we have some really awesome pastors here. And uh, I really hope you guys understand how lucky you are to have people not only that can communicate to you, but that care deeply about you. So they gave a really awesome message on this topic of lust of the eyes and kind of gave this idea that our eyes are the gateway to sin in our lives. So if you didn't know, we're actually in a three-week series. Last week was Lust of the Eyes. I get Lust of the Flesh. Yeah, it's going to be a fun night. And next week, we are talking about uh, the boastfulness of pride. So if you heard me say Lust of the Flesh, you might be a little uncomfortable. One, because flesh is kind of a gross word. Like, I don't like saying it. I'm like, it's icky, let's be honest. It makes me uncomfortable, it's like moist. Yeah, you're welcome. So, tonight, what I'm hoping we get out, one, is that we're all mature, kind of halfway adults. Lainey's legal as of today. Um, but what I hope we get tonight is a gentle conviction from God, not an uncomfortableness. So, we, um, wrapping up, this idea of the recap. The main point of this series is that there is an enemy after us because we are made in the image of God. And through what Jesus did for us, we are able to overcome that attack of the enemy. So I really love food. Does anyone else love food? Yeah, yeah, that's what I like to hear. I love food, and I'm not just talking about, like, when you get home, like, after school, and you're eating, like, carrots. No, I'm talking about, like, you haven't eaten all day, and you get home, and it is the best meal of your life, and you're, or it's, like, Chipotle after, like, Sunday on, after church on a Sunday, and you're, like, sitting there, and it's so good that it makes you, like, do a little dance, like, 
so good. Like, there is nothing better than eating good food. Like, not even your mom yelling at you, telling you to clean your room or have better grades or not take naps so often can ruin that good food mood. Like, there's nothing better than a good food mood. And I find that often the food I like to eat, it makes me do that little dance. This one, just the head bob, really. Yeah, you can relate, you're just embarrassed, it's fine. I have no shame, because Christ freed me of that. Um, but I find that the food that makes me do that is never good for me. It's like a triple patty burger smothered in cheese, and I'm lactose intolerant, and then they sprinkle it with bacon, and I'm dying afterwards, but during it, I'm like, this is so good. Like praising God, like, yes, Lord, I'm going to die later. It's fine. Or... Um, like some really good like fried chicken. Yeah. My favorite is sweets. Like, I love brownies. And there's this thing, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this on stage or not, but there's these, these, these things called slutty brownies. So it's, yeah, we're, we're all grown here. We can, cookie dough, Oreos, brownies. Tell me God's not real. Cookie dough Oreos, brownies. Heaven. That's, that is heaven. So I love sweet stuff. So I'm going to tell you this really funny story. One of my favorite sweet things to eat is donuts. You guys don't like donuts? <laughs> Let me try that again. One of my favorite things to eat is donuts. Yes, that is the response I want. So my freshman year of college, if you ever think the freshman 15 is a myth, um, it's not, okay? It is very painful to walk through and accept. But I didn't get my freshman 15 from my college food. No, I got it because I went to, to Dunkin' Donuts every day. And I loved it, so I have no regrets. But I love donuts. I love donuts so much, actually, that on the weekends, instead of pizza for our new time guests, we have donuts. And this one time, this one time, again, I have no shame because Christ freed me of that, okay? This one time, I was sitting in the back room, and I go, and I open the box of donuts. And I'm like, yes, God. And I eat a box, not a box. I ate a donut, okay? One donut. And wouldn't you know it, as soon as I'm, like, partaking of the gloriousness that is Krispy Kreme, Cole walk, Pastor Cole walks around and looks me and goes, He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm eating a donut. What are you doing? What do you mean? And he's like, okay. And then he like walks away. It was super awkward. So I love donuts. But this one time my freshman year, it was a Friday. And on Fridays, my friend Stephanie and I, we would always we'd get a dozen donuts. Happy weekend. Go us. We didn't die. We're making it through college. We're gaining weight. We're loving our lives. So we get a box of dozen donuts. But that day, we were actually going down to Miami after classes, which is like a four-hour drive from where we go to school. So I'm going through classes, and I'm hungry all day, so I have this box of donuts, and I'm just chowing down on them. I'm digging into those bad boys, like before class, after class, during class, in between classes. I'm just like, yes, I love donuts. So we get in the car after I've consumed so many donuts. And we were driving four hours, and if you've ever like driven or like ridden in a car, not driving, but like you've ridden in a car like on a full tank of sugar and carbs, you kind of want to die. You're like, oh, this was a terrible idea. So I'm riding and I'm like, I feel awful, but I'm not gonna ruin the mood. I'm gonna turn up this music. We're gonna 
yeah, yeah, it's a great time. And for some reason, three hours into that four-hour car trip, I got hungry. But we weren't stopping because we were almost there. And we had no, like, snacks in the car except for the rest of the donuts. And guys, I'm not talking about like Dunkin' or Krispy Kreme. I'm talking like the size of your face covered in sprinkles and sugar and anything good that God has made. Like huge donuts. So I'm like, guys, I'm hungry. And they're like, well, we have no snacks. We're not stopping. So I'm like, open the box. And they're like, Julia, don't do it. And I reach my hand behind me. Open the box. And I I reach back and I grab a donut and I say, forgive me, Lord. And I eat my seventh donut that day. Seven donuts. Don't do it. For your sake, please don't do it. So I ate my seventh donut. I was like, this was a mistake, but it tastes good. And finally we get to my friend's house and I'm, I, I get in and I just I lay on the floor. I just sprawl out, I'm dying. Like my stomach hurts, my appendix feels like it's busting, my gallbladder's gonna explode, and I'm like, oh, why? Why would I do this to myself? And her mom comes in and she goes, girls, I made dinner. Okay, so I go, I sit at the dinner table, it's grilled chicken, with vegetables, the healthiest meal you can have, basically. And I just stare at it, try not to throw up. Because at this point, I'm basically just a box of donuts with legs. That's all I am, okay? And I can't, like, I can't bust through this wall of carbs and sugar to eat the nutritious food in front of me because I was so full of junk food that I had no room for good food. And the food that was actually going to help me out and like sustain me and not make me feel like, I couldn't like fit it into my stomach because I was so full of empty caloric donuts. See, I filled myself up with so much junk that I had no room for good food. There was no dance. There was only sadness. And I think sometimes we, we fill ourselves up with so much junk that we don't have any room for goodness in our lives. And as much as I wish this was only applicable to donuts or junk food or brownies, I think it's also applicable to our minds, bodies, and spirits. Too often, we allow junk into our lives. We look at it with our eyes, the lust of our eyes, and we act on it. That's the lust of our flesh. So if you're wondering, lust of our flesh sounds gross. We're going to look at Galatians 5, 19 through 21 to see kind of what this is. So if we can pull up the scripture, yeah. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Right? Okay. <laughs> Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. Uh, where are they? Hello? <laughs> Idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger. If you've ever had one of those, it's okay. Me too. Selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties. Not mild parties, but wild parties. And other sins like these, let me tell you again as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit 
the kingdom of God. So I want to break this idea of what the heck is lust of the flesh, besides something that sounds gross, down into something that we can understand. Because sometimes, you guys can nod your head and agree with me, you're not sinners. Sometimes I think that the Bible kind of gives us like vocabulary and we're like, yeah, that's awful. And we have no idea what it means, right? You guys ever like read something in the Bible or hear something from the Bible and you're like, what? (laughs) Okay, God, whatever. So I want to like break this down a little bit. So if we look at this term flesh, flesh. Everyone like pat your head, touch your arm. Don't touch your neighbor, okay? Pat your head, like touch your arm. That's your flesh. Being human, I saw that. Being human is being made out of flesh. If you look at the story of Genesis, the story of creation, it says that God made Adam and Eve out of... Let's try this again, guys. It's called an answer back. God made Adam and Eve out of flesh, right? And it's the same term that we see here in 1 John. Huh? No. No. It's fine. Adam actually says to Eve as he's like trying to woo her, he says, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. So boys, don't ever say that to a girl if you're trying to get a date because that is gross and weird. But that's just what they were. They were, they were bone of bone and flesh of flesh. And this idea of the lust of the flesh can be broken down into a craving, so a desiring, a wanting of physical pleasure, which honestly doesn't sound any better, but it's something that will make you feel good, right? You guys like feeling good, like eating food that makes you feel good, taking a nap after a long day, things that make you feel good, right? And we see this idea of lust of flesh happens when... Eve is standing in the garden, and she's twirling her hair. She's like, wow, what a beautiful day. Awesome, awesome. And all of a sudden, the snake comes up to her. He's like, that's the sound snake makes, if you guys didn't know. Don't know if you've ever encountered one. I have, and that's exactly what they sound like. So the snake, Satan, looks at Eve, and he's like, you should eat that apple. And she's like, why? Looks good, tastes good, do it. And Eve's like, oh my gosh, you're right, it does look good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna reach out, I'm gonna grab that, and I'm gonna eat this apple. Bam, sin! All it took was an apple that looked good, was appealing. Eve knew she couldn't have that apple. It says in scripture she knew she wasn't supposed to eat that apple, but she ate it anyway. So this idea of lust of our flesh is knowing that we desire to be full of something, but we're filling ourselves constantly with the wrong thing. And our main idea today is that when we fill ourselves with the bad, we have no room left for the good. I'm going to say that again. You guys should write it down if you want to. When we fill ourselves with the bad, we have no room for the good. So I want us to grab this idea that Satan's a sneaky guy and donuts are a tasty treat. I'm going to say that again because it's funny. Satan's a sneaky guy and donuts are a tasty treat. The enemy's never going to tempt you with something that's not appealing to you. I can walk past a plate of Brussels sprouts and be like, ew, 
Oh, I passed a plate of brownies. I'm like, yes, God. Thank you. Why? Because the Brussels sprouts don't appeal to me like the brownies do. And let me tell you, okay, we're going to get a little uncomfortable, but I think you guys can handle it. There are things in your life that are appealing to you that you're filling yourselves with that are not leaving you full. They're not leaving you satisfied. Why? Because they're not of God. They're of the world. And the world is never going to satisfy you. That apple never satisfied Eve. The Lord created relationship to satisfy her, but when she bit into that apple that was never intended for her, she created a gap, a distance. You know what separates us from God? Sin. That's it. That's all. It's sin that separates us from God. It's filling ourselves with things that he never intended us to be filled with that will never satisfy us like he intended for us to be satisfied. So let me break this down for you. Your pornography, the music you're listening to, the relationships that you might be having, that boyfriend or girlfriend that you're doing things with that you really shouldn't be doing with, the words coming out of your mouth, the lifestyle that you're living, your Instagram followers, the platform you're trying to build that you're trying to fill yourself with is never going to satisfy you. And if we're being real and transparent tonight... Listen, I don't need you to stand up and tell me the things you're doing. I've been 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18. I get it. I know it's tricky. I know it's hard. I know it looks good. I know it feels good. But at the end of the day, I know you're broken and crying and hurting, wondering what happened, not feeling full, not feeling satisfied, because we fill ourselves with things that God never intended us to be filled with. And tonight, I want to let you know, if you're filling yourself with something, that relationship, that thing on the internet, that affirmation that fades so quickly from people around you, if you're filling yourself and looking to get full, it's not there. But there is freedom from God from those things that will fill you and satisfy you and leave you a lot happier than seven donuts would. So how do we combat this idea of temptation? Well, first I wanna lay out for you guys that the desires that you feel, again, <laughs> we're being real tonight, is that okay with you? Is that okay with you? I'll be super fake if you want me to, but <laughs> ew, gross. No, we're gonna be real tonight. There are desires in your life that the Lord created in the right context to fill you. But when we do them in the wrong context, when we look at things that we shouldn't look at, when we do actions that we shouldn't do, when we lust after somebody, when we say things to people that we aren't supposed to, when we look to be filled by other people, it's going to leave us empty. But in the right context... It fills us up, but we have to wait for the right context sometimes. Actually, we have to wait for the right context all the time. But if you've made a mistake and if you've fallen into a pit of shame, let me tell you that the hand of God wants to reach down and pull you out. Let me tell you that God sees your emptiness at the end of the day and wants to fill you up. And it's not a pity fill. It's an I love you fill. So how do we combat the enemy? Um... Last week, I headed up to Georgia to see my brother. 
He's super cool. He's really funny. I call him Skippy, but that's not his name. I just think it's funny to call him Skippy. He's like 6'2 and could kill me, but it's fine. So my brother is training to be an army ranger. So basically, he's super cool. Yeah, I know. Plus, he's related to me. Super cool. Obviously. So my brother's training to be an army ranger, and he had a boot camp graduation. He was a Marine before he was in the army, so he's really like, yeah, whatever. I don't know what that was, but you do. So you're welcome. So he went through this training. Why? So that when he's in combat, he understands how to defend himself. And the Bible lays out for us training so that we can understand how to defend ourselves. So actually, if you look back at this letter of 1 John, right before where we looked at before, 1 John 2, 12 through 14, it says, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven. I'm going to say that again. I am writing to you because your sins have been forgiven. For his name's sake, I am writing to you because you know him who has been from the beginning. That's God, if you were confused. I was, so you're welcome. I am writing to you, young men and young women. That's you guys, just in case you were wondering. Because you have overcome the evil one. I have written to you because you know the Father. I have written to you because you know him who has been from the beginning. I have written to you, young men and women, because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the evil one. See, sometimes the enemy tries to pick battles when the war's already been won. Okay, let's say that again. Sometimes the enemy tries to pick battles when the war's already been won. Sometimes the enemy tries to steal things from you, make you think that the things you've done are a mistake, too big that God can forgive you because he wants to pull you away. But God's already won that battle. He's already won that war for your life, for your salvation, for your calling, for your name. You guys should be really excited about that because I know I'm a sinner and I would be stuck in the pit of hell if God didn't want to save me. So there's a God who says, you know what, Satan, you keep trying to attack my children, but I've already won the war of their life. I've already grabbed them from the pit of shame. I've already claimed victory over them. I should skip to Revelations if you want the good ending. Surprise! No spoilers. But, but John is writing here, and he says, young men and women, you are strong. That's you guys. Young men, young women, you are strong. And the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the enemy. See, it was never anything that we did that let us overcome the enemy. It was everything that God did for us. It was never me changing my ways from mistakes I've done that, that saved me. It was always God saying, no, I have this for you. It was, it was never you saying, oh, but this is me. This is what I can do. No, it was Jesus dying on the cross, giving you the word of God so that you could be strong, so that this big book that sometimes we think is a little boring and cumbersome, 
so that it could live inside of you. You guys ever heard this thing referred to as a double-edged sword? Nod your head, yes, if you have. Shake your head, no, if you haven't. Yeah, okay. I'm losing you, so I'll wrap up quick. But a double-edged sword, why? Because when we're in combat, we need something sharp to stab our enemies. If you look um, in the Gospels of the story when Jesus is tempted by Satan for 40, after 40 days of fasting, so imagine being like super hungry, super thirsty, no donuts around, no grilled chicken, and all of a sudden the snake comes up to you and goes, Sup, Jesus? Jesus is like, I just I don't have time for this. I have to go. And Satan's like, you could easily turn that rock into bread. Just saying. And Jesus is like, no. Satan's like, uh, you could fall and you could call on some angels to, to catch you. And Jesus is like, no, Satan, stupid snake. But he doesn't simply say that. See, he uses the word of God and scripture to combat the enemy. I wonder what would have happened if Eve would have said the word of God back to Satan. I wonder if things would have been different. But the great thing about you and about me is that we have this big old boring book so that when temptation falls in front of us, we can say no. So the three things I want to look at for us to combat the enemy, to combat temptation, to combat the desires that God gave us, but the enemy likes to twist around. The first, if we can put that up on the screen, the first is to fill up on the word, which I kind of just hit on. But this double-edged sword is what is going to be your weapon when the enemy comes after you. The second is to seek accountability, because how many of you know that if you had someone constantly texting you, hey, are you still doing this? Hey, are you and your boyfriend, are you and your girlfriend still doing the things that you shouldn't do? Hey, uh, do you still have like that, that bad website on your computer? Hey, how are you doing with your insecurities? Hey, how's this, how's this, how's this? You're not gonna wanna keep saying, yeah, I suck. I wouldn't wanna say that to people like, yeah, I suck today, it's fine. No, when you have someone and I don't know if you guys know this, but we have a room full of leaders in the back. Wave leaders, hey guys. We have leaders who love you and care about you and wanna keep you accountable so that you don't fall into the pit of shame that's so easy to fall into. So we wanna fill up on the word, we wanna seek accountability, and lastly, we wanna say a loud no and a quiet yes. And if you're like, what? We're gonna look at James 4, seven through 10 in the message version where it says, so let God work his will in you. Yell aloud, no. You guys with me? Yell aloud, no. To the devil and watch him scamper away. Say quiet, yes, to God. And he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious, really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you're gonna get on your feet. Mm. I can tell you right now in the face of temptation, when you're with like that really cute boy or that really pretty girl and things are getting kind of spicy and you're about to, <laughs> yeah, I know, it's fine. 
whatever. And things are about to happen that shouldn't happen. I can tell you right now, if you start screaming no, things are not going to happen. <laughs> they just aren't. Like, no! No! Ruin the mood really quick. Praise God. Praise him. So good. But what happens when you're not with somebody else? What happens when it's you alone in your room? And there's temptation sitting right in front of you. What happens when there's thoughts in your mind that you've gained from your eyes that you want to act on? You say no. If anything, I know, I know it's hard. I know it's not something that you automatically want to. Why? Because donuts taste a lot better than grilled chicken. Because it's appealing. Because it feels good. Because it's great. See, God gave you desires for a reason in the right context, but the enemy is trying to twist them around so that you fall into the pit of shame, so that you lose your identity as son, daughter, and co-heir of Christ. He wants to fill you up on the bad things. He wants to fill you up on the shame, on the guilt, on the disgust, on the self-hatred, so that you can't be full of God. But here's the awesome thing about God. See, I like to call it a pit of shame because I've been there and it's really hard to get out. Because you just feel gross. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever eaten seven donuts. Don't if you haven't. But I felt disgusting. I was like, I want to throw up. This is terrible. I hate everything right now. And when we partake in sin that we shouldn't partake in, we kind of feel the same way. I can't look at myself in the mirror. I feel disgusting. I don't want to look at my boyfriend or my girlfriend. I don't want to look at myself. I can't tell my parents. I'm in this pit of shame, but no one's going to know. But God says, repent to me, and I'll make you a new creation. Call my name, and I will reach down. Not, he, he's not just going to reach onto the surface. No, he's going to reach into the pit, where if you raise your hands, he's going to grab you, and he's going to pull you out and make you new. See, it's human to want to take a bite of something appealing. But it's God that makes you new after that. And there may be some of us here tonight where you are stuck. <laughs> where you're stuck in a pit of shame. Where you've done things that you know you shouldn't do. Where you keep doing things where you know you shouldn't do. And I know we're in church. But again, I know we're in church. And I want to let you guys know there's no shame too big for God. There's no sin too big that he can't cover. Actually, there's nothing that he doesn't already know that's happened. Sorry. So there may be some of us here tonight where you're like, yeah, no, I go to church. Like, it's fine. It's cool, whatever. But when you leave, you kind of keep doing the same thing. And you let yourself get full on things that were never meant to fill you. And at the end of the day, not only do you feel unsatisfied, but you feel broken and like you don't want to look at yourself. And that's never what God had intended for you. No, he wants you to live full and free because of what his son did for you. So I'm going to ask that everyone just close your eyes. Bow your heads. We're going to have two two groups that I want to look at. The first is you're here tonight, and it could be your first time, it could be your 10th time, it could be your 100th time. And you're saying, you know what? I, I've heard the name Jesus, and I know who God is, 
accepted him as my savior. And tonight, I want to live a life that leaves me full at the end of the day. And I want to know that my spot in heaven is secure because God gave me his salvation. And I want to accept Christ as my savior. And if you're here tonight and you want to do that, can you just raise your hands? Awesome. So our second group is, you're here, you know God, you have salvation, you're saved, but there are still things that you're filling your life with that aren't leaving you full and that were never meant to leave you full. And you're kind of at the end of your rope and you're kind of tired of being in your pit and you're kind of tired of not liking yourself and feeling gross and feeling unsatisfied and feeling shame and you're done. Well, I wanna let you guys know that you can be done, but if you're here tonight and you're saying, you know, I filled myself with the wrong things and I'm tired of filling myself with the wrong things. I really wanna be full of Christ. I really wanna be full of what God has for me, of his freedom, of his goodness, and of his love. If that's you tonight, can you unashamedly lift your hand? That's awesome. I wanna give us a couple more moments because I think there might be some more of us here that are living in our pits of shame. There's no reason to be scared to say, yeah, I wanna be full of the right things, or yeah, I've messed up. So again, if that's you tonight, and you wanna be full of the freedom, the fullness, and the goodness and the love that God has for you, can you lift your hands? That's awesome, I wanna pray for us tonight. God, thank you. Thank you that when we are so lost in sin, in shame, when we are so deep into our pits, you reach your hand down and you rescue us and you pull us out. When we are so full of the wrong things, Lord, you are willing to empty us again so that we can be full of your spirit and full of your goodness. God, thank you that your son died on a cross for us so that we may experience you daily fully. And tonight, God, we just pray for the students, the leaders, the people in this room who are saying, I'm empty, and I've been filling myself with things that don't satisfy me, and that were never meant to satisfy me. And Lord, we just pray right now that they would be full of your goodness, that they would be full of your spirit, that they would be full of your love, and not be unsatisfied at the end of the day, but God, that they would be satisfied knowing that there is a heavenly father who knows their name, who knows their story, and who calls them his beloved, who fills them up. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to invite, guys, why don't we go ahead and stand? We're going to enter into a time of worship. And I want to encourage you tonight that if you raise your hands to be full, that doesn't just stay in these four walls. That doesn't just stay in this building. No, the freedom that has for you goes so far beyond emerge, so far beyond the crossing that you can't just stay here. Now, I want to encourage you, whether you raise your hand or not, if you want that, he has it for you. If you're tired of your sin and your shame, he has freedom for you. So let's go ahead. Let's just join in worship. <laughs>